unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. Welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today? I'm good, Nathan. How are you? I'm fantastic. I'm excited for today's show, not only because of the topic that we're going to be talking about, but also because it's the 333rd episode of the Copywriters Podcast, which is kind of incredible. It really is. It's awesome. Uh, 333. There's something special about this one. Maybe a little repetitive, 333. Okay, so let's get into it. Too many copywriters shoot themselves in the foot by not giving enough attention and energy to bullet points. Why? Because they don't realize how valuable bullets are to increasing sales. In fact, many prospects would have stayed on the fence if not for a single bullet point that really zeroes in on what they were looking for in the first place. So we're going to give you a quick but thorough walkthrough on how to get the most out of bullet points in your copy today. But first, let's take a moment to remember that copy is powerful and you're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. Most of the time, common sense is all you need, but if you make extreme claims and or if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. Okay, so this is a great one because um, we're going to start with something you told me a while ago, which I think I realize I do, but I didn't realize it until you told me, Nathan, you go to the bullet points, you might read the headline, and then you'll go to the bullet points first to see if you're even interested in reading the rest of the copy or the offer itself, and you're probably not the only one. We'll, we'll say as a general rule, bullet points are where prospects go in your copy sooner or later, but often sooner, to find out if the particular thing that they're looking for is included in your offer. And they like it if you attach a benefit to the thing that they're looking for. And sometimes even the benefit by itself is more powerful because often people are looking for a benefit, a performance, a result, an experience rather than the thing itself. Is that consistent with your experience and with what you do? Yeah. And I think the psychology behind it is if I'm looking at this big, long sales page or a big, long sales letter, I'm looking for just something to nibble on before I try and take a big bite out of it. And the bullet points, they're the things that grab me. And they're, they're usually, it's like, oh, I don't have to get a big mouthful. I can just take a little bite-sized piece and see if this is something I want to actually enjoy a whole meal of. And so for me, that's the reason that I go to the bullet points first. Okay. Yeah. Sort of put a toe in the water, take a little taste before you, you commit to a long journey reading the whole thing. So let's talk about bullet points for experienced copywriters. This is just a helpful review. If you're kind of new at this, this is really important distinction. When you see a bullet point in an article, it's usually trying to condense or summarize some information. That's not what we do in copy. In copy, we're trying to 
pique excitement, grab attention, stoke the imagination. Our purpose, although it needs to be in intellectually sound wording, is more emotional than intellectual. It's to create the excitement that's going to move the prospect to take action. I'm sure you've seen, Nathan, where people are just, in fact, I saw it with an experienced advanced client the other day, where because, (laughs) because he was so convinced that people would want what he was selling, and it was a good offer to that market, that he just started explaining all the details, all the technical specs of, of, it was a course, of this particular course, which was not good until he really sold them, got them seeing themselves using and benefiting from the course. Mm -hmm. Those technical specs help, especially if you're writing to a logically minded person who needs that logical reinforcement, but it's definitely not the part, it's, it's not the, uh, front-facing part of the offer that we want to start with, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm so used to writing copywriting bullet points that it's kind of hard sometimes for me to just write one of these condensation summary bullet points if I'm if I'm writing an article or something. But that's, that's something you really got to watch out for. So the, I want to ask you a question then. You're talking yeah. about, you're talking about features and benefits and being able to write those into bullets. So let's kind of start there. Let's start with how to write a feature plus a benefit in a single bullet. Okay. So let's say you, you've created the world's 4,218th book on how to get a job, which will probably sell because people are always looking to get jobs, right? If you had a bullet point that is a feature, one of the things that you'll find in the book, it'll you might say what to say during a job interview. Well, people actually want to know what to say, but boy, that that's kind of flat. Now let's let's turn the same bullet point into a feature plus benefit. What to say during a job interview that rockets you to the top of the list? Mm-hmm. Okay, so what to say during the job interview is a feature, but rockets you to the top of the list is the benefit. And you'll notice that the benefit kind of tells you what you can do with the feature or what the feature will do for you. Yeah, I think that where we get lazy as copywriters sometimes, or maybe the curse of knowledge that we talk about frequently, we assume that they know the second part of the bullet point. Well, of course, it's going to help them rocket to the top of but maybe they don't. So we need to spell that out for him. So that's why you can't just stop at what to say in a, in a job interview. It's so hard to overcome the curse of knowledge. It, it's so hard. But I mean, think about what actors do. You know, an actor who is playing a scientist discovering something. And I'm hopefully not talking about Oppenheimer and discovering how to build an atomic bomb. But discovering anything, they have to get rid of their own curse of knowledge. They have to go, they have to start with their character to the point in time when the character didn't know something mm-hmm. and figure out how would they look, how would they act, or if it were them, what would they say, what would they do? We have to do the same thing as a copywriter. You, you have to be able to roll back the clock a little bit in order to get into that mindset. I mean, 
it's hard at first, but once you've learned how to do it, you just, the hardest part is not doing it, but remembering to do it. Right. And I think, yeah. And I think the sign of a master they say is being able to explain something simply so that even somebody without any knowledge can understand it. And this is where that really comes into play because with a bullet, you've got one sentence. Usually you've got one sentence. And so you have to be able to explain, here's what it does and here's what it means for you. And you've got to be able to get that in one sentence, in one clear idea. And just doing that in general is hard. But when it comes to bullets, that's where the skill of a true copywriter shines through. That's right. And one thing that's worthwhile is studying I'll mention three people, Gary Bensavenga, mm -hmm. David Deutsch, mm -hmm. Harris Lampropoulos. I mean, those are, those are guys who really are masters and they're all alive and they, they are, you know, boomers, seniors, <laughs> we don't need to call them old masters because they're still alive. Look at how they do it. You know, reverse engineer it, handwrite it out. Don't use the same words, but understand what the structure and the thought process is. I mean, Bullet points, it's easy to think of them as a throwaway because they're so short and who cares anyway? Well, people do care a lot and it, it, it does make the difference. I mean, you could make sales with lousy bullet points, but you'll make much stronger sales, much greater sales mm -hmm. with good bullet points. Uh, you know, we've had David Deutsch on the program. We've had Paris on the program. The guy who actually taught me, the guy, the guy that I first came across was Bensavega's ben Bullet Points, Bensavenga. And uh, he was the first guy that I really dived into. And I think he was, at, at the time when I got into it, I think he was like world re renowned as the king of writing bullets. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was really good. I mean, he was very, very disciplined not only as a writer, but as a, an eternal student, he, he would, you know, read some copy, I think even read it out loud before he started working. He just made it 100% his focus. Yeah, and I don't think he teaches it, or I don't even know if he's an active copywriter anymore, but you still can find all of his uh, marketing bullets on online. So if you're digging this so far that we're talking about, I don't know if it'll be in the show notes or not, but check out Ben Savanga's bullets because they're great. Absolutely. I think it's still online. Yeah. He, I mean, the only real teaching he did were those bullets, which was, you know, a high quality content lead up to a couple of seminars he did. And I think he's writing for his own projects kind of quietly in the background now, but he's, he's not out there mm -hmm. in on the main stage. All right. Here, here's another point to think about. And this particularly reminds me of Gary Halbert because he did this and talked about a lot blind bullet points. And he was very good at it. And blind bullet points work great when they still spell out a clear advantage. But again, feature bullet points by themselves will rarely sell. So what's a blind bullet point? Okay, let me, let me give you, so you've got an article about AI and how to, how to stay employed in the age of AI or how to get gigs as a copywriter in the AI or how to be a consultant while AI is here. So a bad blind bullet point, a blind bullet point is where you kind of hide what you're talking about, mm -hmm. but you're trying to create intrigue. Mm -hmm. So a bad one would be AI will never replace this. Okay. That's pretty bad because uh, who cares? What, what does that mean? But how about this? 
the one kind of job that will need more people and pay better than ever before, thanks to AI. Okay, that's still a blind bullet point. I have no idea what the job is. I'm sort of a little nervous because it sounds like I should know what it is because it already exists. And I'm very curious because it'll pay better and it'll be easier to get one of these jobs according to the bullet point. Okay. Stories are the most powerful way to get and hold a prospect's attention. Of course, you already know that. But the problem many of us have had is, even though stories are absolute magnets for getting attention, they don't do that much to advance the sale. That's because the way most of us have been taught to tell stories was not with persuasion in mind. I decided to change that. So I looked at what I had learned in studying story and writing copy for decades as well as coaching all-star copywriters. What I had learned about stories that persuade, and I wrote a book, it's called The Persuasion Story Code. It tells you exactly how to create and use stories to move the sale forward. Lots of stories. I'm including examples of 25 different kinds with step-by-step guidelines for putting your own persuasion stories together. You can get The Persuasion Story Code on Amazon.com. Check it out. You'll be glad you did. Do you use blind bullets yourself at all? Yeah, and we'll talk about this a little bit later on in the show, but blind bullets, two things. Number one, curiosity. I I was talking with Ben Settle one time, interviewing him for a side project, and he dropped this on me, and I was like, holy cow. I was always convinced that speaking to the personal interest would be what grabbed people's attentions, and he said no. More than personal interest, curiosity. Curiosity is what gets people to open up that email. And so using blind bullets as subject lines in my emails is something I do a lot. If I find a really good blind bullet as I'm, as I'm kind of laying out my bullets for the sales letter or for the email, I'll take that blind bullet and turn it into a headline or turn it into a youtube title or turn it into a subject line for an email and instantly if i do an a b test on it the blind bullet turned into a headline or a subject line always performs better so we'll get more into that method a little bit later but yeah blind bullets even not as a bullet even as a headline they work okay that's really good now let's take the same thing we were talking about with those other two bullets and turn it into a feature bullet and maybe it'll be immediately obvious why this doesn't work. You'll learn about this new job, Chat GPT System Architect. <laughs> plus, I'm, I'm, re- I'm ready to go to sleep already. Yeah, it's super boring. Plus, you already gave me the point. Why should I continue reading past that point? Right. Now I'm going to just start Googling Chat GPT System Architect and see if I can get it for free. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I mean, most people would. And so, you know, to restate this, because it's so important, because it's such a mistake that people make when they just have feature bullet points, they start, their copy starts to become a data spec sheet, you know, to transform a feature bullet point into a benefit bullet point, you need to think about, okay, what will this feature do for them? Mm -hmm. What will their experience be? How is it going to make them feel? What, they're, what are they going to be able to do that they couldn't do before? What will other people think of them? All of those are good questions to make that transformation. 
Yeah, and it goes back to what you always say. Whoever has to do the majority of the work is the one that keeps the money. So if they have to do the work to figure out what the bullet point means, they're keeping the money. But if you do that work for them, they're handing the money over. Right. And if you do that work really well, you can make really big money Mm -hmm. eventually. Not right away, eventually, but not forever either. You don't have to wait forever. Okay. So our third topic section of this show is bullet points can be short or long, but they need to be pared down to be as concise as possible. Mm-hmm. So you can grasp their meaning and feel their impact the first time. The person has to think about it. Person has to read it twice. You missed the mark. Yeah, I I think of, and this is more headlines than bullet points, but I think of John Carlton headlines. And even though some of them are long and they go on longer than you would think a headline should go on, he's always very economic with his words and it's not there unless it needs to be there. So it can be short, it can be long, but it needs to be concise. Right. And so here's a shout out to rewriting. You know, sometimes you get the idea out and it is bloated with words. It's a good idea, but you're repeating yourself or you're using words that if you can slice it out. I was talking with a client the other day about Joe Carbo's RCA principle. Do you, do you remember that one? Yeah, 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 yeah. The RC radio. Yeah. RCA radio. Yeah. Yeah. You, you build the biggest, best radio you can, and then you keep taking parts out until it stops working. And then you put that last part in again. That's, that's the idea. It's not that you need to write concise from the jump. It's that you need to, Mm-hmm. The end product needs to be concise. Who is it? And who, who is it that says writing is editing? Every good writer. <laughs> okay, good <enough. laughs> so one point about long or short is keep in mind about concise. Keep in mind that bullets are the things skimmers go through first. They might be the first thing people read. So make sure it's the bite-sized nugget they're looking for. Mm-hmm. I mean. Have you ever written a bullet point and you think, oh, man, this is really two bullet points or this is really three? Yeah, I got it all in there, but damn, no one's going to be able to read it. Mm-hmm. All the time. And that's where the editing comes in. Yeah. Now, you brought up something interesting, which I learned a long time ago and had completely forgotten about. I think I do it, but I don't. I do it like automatically. And it's about line by line varying the typeface. Maybe you go from alternating colors or you go from bold to non-bold to keep it interesting for the eye i mean you also you know you in artistic sense you draw comics or that that beautiful strange image behind you (laughs) for people who are watching so i think you understand how people see things from an artist's point of view and you know what works for the eye but why do you do that? Why do you vary the typeface? Mainly for texture, I think, visual texture. And <laughs> it's because I know that people are going, just like we have subheads to break up our sales copy, just like we have sometimes we'll bold or change the color of something in it just to give it a variety. When people are reading the bullets, like I said, it might be the only thing that you get them to read. It might because that's the first thing they they go to to make sure that they actually enjoy it. 
having that texture, having one bolded, one unbolded, or one in a darker gray and one in a lighter gray, or one with one type of bullet point and the next with a different type of bullet point and then alternating, it just makes it easier for the eyes and it makes it feel like less work. It helps, it helps visualize that piece by piece breakdown instead of seeing a wall of text or instead of seeing a, a wall of bullets that all look the same, they say, they say, oh, this one looks different so I can consume it by itself. And then I can move to the next one and then I can move to the next one. So the point of the bullet is to give them those bite-sized pieces. The point of varying or alternating style to style to style is to also help with that process, help make it, oh, you don't have to look at all of the bullets. You just look at this one and then you look at this one and then you look at this one. That's a really good explanation. I love it. There, there's another thing to think about too that we haven't really talked about yet. And that is, so last week we talked about starting with the call to action, when you write the call to action. But there's another approach which may even be better. And you can combine call to action with bullets if you want for this. Sometimes start with the bullet points. Don't start with a headline. Don't start with your opening story. You know, don't start with the offer. Start with the bullet points to get the hook and the flow of the sales letter rather than just throwing them in as fodder. Oh, yeah, I need some bullet points. Okay, blah, 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 And <laughs> it doesn't work so well. I'm going to add to that real quick. Yeah. Uh, earlier we were talking about the blind bullets and how sometimes I'll find a good blind bullet and I'll say, you know what, I'm going to test this as the subject line or I'm going to test this as the headline. I I love to start with my bullets. I love to just kind of flesh out and and hit all of the bullet points first and then figure out where where if they don't fit as a bullet point, where might they fit instead? And a lot of times that's where I come up with, oh, this blind bullet would make an amazing headline. So yeah, starting with the bullets first. I know we've given advice about starting with the with the call to action first. Another good tip to vary it up for yourself as a copywriter is to start with the bullets first and you'll find some You'll find stuff that you wouldn't have found uh, any other way, I think. Yeah, two old school copywriters did that. Gene Schwartz and Ted Nicholas. They would just go through, especially when they were like selling a book, they would just go through the book and write bullet after bullet after bullet. It really does stoke your imagination. Okay, so that's pretty good. I, I think that's about it. You want me to do a recap or anything else you want to say? I'm just going to give a shout out to Ted Nicholas because when I was a huge free market capitalist advocate, I came across his work not even knowing that he was a copywriter and then diving into he, – he used to write a lot of books and write uh, sales copy for books. That was kind of his thing. And mm -hmm. coming to him from that point of view and then realizing, oh, this guy writes copy? And that was a, he was a huge impact on me when I first started. And um, I was lucky enough to find his work while he was still with us and follow as he was going through that journey. So shout out to Ted Nicholas and uh, yeah, check out his work. Cause I think he doesn't get enough, um, enough praise for the stuff that he contributed to what we do. Yeah. Okay. I totally agree. All right. So let's, let's wrap up. Um, first bullet points are where your prospects go in your copy to find out if the particular thing they're looking for is included in your offer. Second, blind bullet points work great when they still spell out a clear advantage, but feature bullet points by themselves rarely, if ever, sell. And third, bullet points can be long or short, 
but they need to be pared down to as concise as possible. So the reader can grasp their meaning and feel their impact the first time. Mm. And we have a call to action in our new format. And the call to action for you is put more thought into putting together bullet points that sell your offer all by themselves, because sometimes they do. Make the extra effort to make your bullet points powerful and intriguing. Nice. All right. This was a fantastic episode, David. I really appreciate it. And by the time that this goes live, your new book should be available real quick. Let's give a plug for that. Yeah, absolutely. It's called The Persuasion Story Code, and it is a comprehensive collection of stories with step-by-step guidelines for each kind of story, as well as an actual story about 90% of the 25 stories types in there are things that have worked, including the story that has sold $2 billion worth of products and services. No, subscriptions, the Wall Street Journal letter, but lots and lots of other stories. It's unique. There's no other book like it. And I don't look too kindly on the hero's journey in this story. Hmm. (laughs) I was going to say, in a marketplace flooded and saturated with hero's journey sales copy, this book gives you so many ways to stand out against uh, against that, the hero's journey. So it's an amazing read and I highly recommend it. So it's on anima as we're recording this, maybe not, but as people are listening to it, it is available on amazon.com. And do you have a website where people can get it? Yeah. So it's uh, the persuasion story code dot persuasion story code.com. Both of them persuasion story code.com. All right, man. And until next time, Actually, before that, if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure that you like and subscribe and you can catch all of the previous 332 episodes over at copywriterspodcast.com. And until next time, we will catch you later. Catch you later. Hey, did you enjoy today's show? Want to help get it into the ears of more listeners? Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.